All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And this week, we are reviewing the foreign Chinese film, The 800. I know a lot of you were expecting Save It Private Ryan this week, but uh, we had a little scheduling uh, issue arise with one of our guests, and we're hoping to get that uh, sorted out and get back on track with getting that recorded at some time in the near future. Until then, we'll be doing a different World War II film uh, about our very under-talked part of the war, which is the Japanese invasion of China. And Jack, this was your choice. Uh, how come you went with it? Because like you said, it's a very oft not discussed part of the war. How'd that feel? Fucking <laughs> sucks. Look like you got punched in the face. <laughs> oh, for our dear listeners, he opened a bottle of whatever he's drinking tonight and it sprayed in his face. It's like, it's one of those old school, like German bottles that has the weird metal contraption on it with like a, like a cork. So like when I went to open it, it just like, like basically flew into my eyeball. So hopefully this beer is, <laughs> hopefully this beer is worth it. Is it? It's all right. Well, that's good for, to hear. For being 500 years old, it's not bad. 500 years old, huh? Well, that's what it says on the bottle. Established, okay. <laughs> established 1514. Wow. All those years and it just made its way to you. That's wild. I know. Well, I, I had a part of history. I, I had bought this German beer because I was like, like I said, we were expecting to do Saving Private Ryan, but mm, you know, best laid plans of mice and men. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it sorted out at some point. Yeah, but uh, chuck it in the fuck it bucket. <laughs> so, Jack, would you uh, would you think of this? Not bad. Not bad. They really like to call each other pussy a lot in this movie. <laughs> I'm curious if that's like a direct translation or if that's just like uh, just a word they chose to be as an equivalent. Yeah. I, you you watched the English dub, right? Yeah, I couldn't find the Chinese dub of this. I wanted to watch like it, an actual Chinese, but Netflix and Tubi only had the English versions. Yeah, so I watched the English dub of it as well, and I'm kind of in the same camp as you, where, you know, if I'm watching a foreign film, I like to watch it with the original language and yeah. then have the subtitles beneath it. Because I, I can understand that, like, the subtitles are not always going to be direct translations, but I feel like the lines, because they're being delivered by the actual actors who said them, when you when you watch a film in its original language, you're seeing the lines the way they were meant to be portrayed or expressed. So maybe one day I'll, I'll be able to see this movie in its original language, but I mean, nonetheless, I, I also thought this film was pretty good, even with the, the weird dubbing thing we had going on. Yeah. It is what it is. The dub itself wasn't bad, though. I've certainly seen worse dubs. I just, 
one thing that always kind of cracked me up is like whenever there's like a tough like sergeant or officer character who's like yelling like dig faster it's just it's so over the top what i liked was the white people in this movie clearly speaking in chinese quote-unquote chinese but then it being translated anyway but they didn't fucking translate the japanese language yeah that was a it was an interesting choice but i mean i guess i'm not too terribly mad at it but i mean if we're already translating everything else like we might as well the one thing that i did notice that this film at least when it came to like the dubbing aspect to it is like you know a lot of times when foreign films will have like a poster or like a sign that you're supposed to take notice of as a viewer they usually put some sort of like subtitles underneath it to be like hey random american person we we know you don't read chinese this is what this sign says um that's kind of integral to our storytelling but i i'm not even all that upset about that because this film has a ton of like context clues for that kind of stuff so yeah i could i couldn't understand what the big coca-cola sign said (laughs) or the goodyear blimp or the paramount theater you know i gotta say the goodyear blimp made me so mad because I watched this movie and I, I saw the Goodyear blimp the first time around and I was like, man, that's really kind of weird and out of place. I, but I get it because you know, the, uh, the concession zone is what they call it, uh, is at side tangent before we get back to the blimp pissing me off. Um, had you ever heard of concession territories before? maybe so i i had never heard of this before uh and that just shows how well my colonialism education has been um literally concessions the the theory or the the idea behind it is that perfect example is this film shanghai so england has an interest in a city or a territory in china the country or government of China says, okay, we that they essentially lease the city to another foreign territory and it kind of like ipso facto becomes like Shanghai is now a part of the British Empire, if you will. It's a it's a really weird thing where it's like like consensual colonialism, basically. Wasn't if I recall correctly, Hong Kong was a big secession concession to the British, was it not? Yeah, I believe so. And that was a big one for a long time. Yeah. And I don't know how much of the quote unquote like consent part of it comes in because I'm sure there's a lot of like political and military strong arming when it comes to concessions, but Yeah, it seems like I... gunboat diploma diplomacy. <laughs> Well, it's like, did you ever, you knew that like for the longest time, Japan completely closed its borders off to all outsiders, yep. like through its like feudal time frame. Sokoku, uh, was it? Yeah. 
And yeah, the Sokoku. And so that changed when uh, we, when America showed up with our battleships, it's like, no, you will trade with us now. Yeah, it was, it was the actor Matthew Perry that came to Japan with a bunch of guns and said, no one told you life was going to be this way. Now open the country, bitches. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing, of course. Oh, I thought you were going to say end quote, but. But no, his name was literally Commodore Matthew Perry. (laughs) I know I have a, uh, I have a fake piece of, like it's a replica piece of scrimshaw on my bookshelf and it has a, there, there we go. It's uh, it's got an inscription of Commodore Perry on it. I found it at an antique shop that cool. didn't actually didn't actually have any antiques. But the more you know, more you know. So, what did you think about uh, the portrayal of the the Japanese in this film? I know that's a a topic we we always try and hit on whenever it comes to the Japanese military and, and war films, because it really kind of runs the gambit between like really horrible caricatures versus like, you know, the super professional, like it feels like when it comes to war movies with Japan, it's either like very respectful of them or super disrespectful of them. See, I'm used to having or seeing Japanese Imperial Japanese soldiers. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me, Jesus Christ. But um, I'm I'm used to seeing Imperial Japanese soldiers as the win at any cost kind of where they like, fucking dig themselves into holes for days or weeks at a time and then just bonsai charge the enemy forces that don't work. Pull a pin on a grenade and at least take one or two with you. But I wasn't used to them showing at least some restraint in this movie. What with the don't use bombs and don't let a stray bullet go over to that side and kill them on this side, not on that side. I mean, eventually the gloves come off. Yes, but. Right. I think as far as that goes, I think that has more to do to show the kind of the precarious situation the Japanese were in attacking this building because essentially the concession zone is like, okay, if we screw up and we attack that, then that's the same as attacking Britain, which this occurred in like 1937. So the Japanese weren't really on the world at war game plan yet. They were just in the world at Asia game plan. I see. But the one th- I, I I was genuinely shocked at kind of the restraint this film showed portraying the Japanese soldiers because it it, it is a Chinese produced film. Um, I I was fully expecting this to be a very propagandist type film where it's like oh me too you know, I was I was expecting it to be a China fuck yeah film like me too we're we're talking about a a chinese last stand it it would only make sense but you know they keep talking like all of our our primary chinese characters they talk about like oh the the japanese killed your uncle or they'll rape your girlfriend and stuff like that 
but we never th there's only one super brief moment that the film actually depicts the japanese committing anything heinous at least that i noticed and that was uh there's a scene where you can see kind of like the the base camp for the japanese and there's a quick side kind of shot that kind of glances over to a couple of soldiers doing bayonet drills and they're doing it on captured Chinese people. And you see that just little quick flash and you're like, holy fuck, that's terrible. But like, if you look at the Japanese invasion and occupation of China, like they, they did do like a shitload of really terrible things. Like, and especially like, they like, especially, you know, they alluded to it in this film where they're like, you know what happens after this building falls? They're going to go to Nanking. Oh, yeah. Nanjing. They, I caught that, too. I was like, who, buddy? And for for those at home who aren't familiar, Ugh. that's a, it's a, a bad. Re it's not it's called the let's. Yeah, it's 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 not called the Battle of Nanking yeah it's so the fact that you know china obviously has a very very traumatized look towards world like the japanese occupation of world war like during world war ii the fact that they showed that much restraint honestly shocked me Whew. But enough so, about what was your or, favorite part of the movie? Wait a minute. I got to get back to the fucking blimps. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. I don't even know why we got off track from the blimps. Oh yeah. Exclusionary. Whatever. The blimps. I'll talk. I need to talk about the blimps before I forget about it. Then I'll go to my favorite part of this film. So, this the Goodyear blimp fucking pissed me off because I was like, the first time I see it, I'm like, oh, this is just a weird little cameo, like, or this is a weird ad placement. Um, but whatever, I get it. They're trying to show like they this movie makes a very big point of showing the concession zone as like, you know, fun city lights, like very like modern and like fun not a care in the world and then you know you should contrast that to the guys who are stuck in the factory doing their last stand it's a great visual representation but the fucking blimp keeps showing up like multiple scenes and like there's scenes where we have like military advisors like lounging in the fucking blimp like looking through their binoculars like oh look at them go and i was like they're referencing this fucking blimp too much for it not to be true. Like it has, there has to be something to this. And that's what pisses me off is that like, I looked high and low and I can't find anything to validate a dirigible being there, let alone the Goodyear blimp. Like, let's put the Goodyear blimp to the side. Let's just say random ass dirigible belonging to a Western power. I can't find anything. I even, I, <laughs> I went against my better judgment. I went to fucking Reddit and I posted a question. Yeah, I posted a question. I'm like, can anybody 
tell me if this is real or not because it, it it's making me mad and even reddit was like no this this is stupid like <laughs> so i i i don't know where they came up with the decision to have that as a air quote recurring character in this film but i don't i don't know it just if you watch this film you you'll notice what i'm what i'm saying when it's like why does the blimp have as big of a part as it does when it for all intents and purposes i cannot find anything that validates that it was there also is now a bad time to mention that you misspelled dir- dir- dirigible pilot on your title shut up it's spelled with an i not an e you know i only <laughs> passed the fourth grade go ahead say my title <laughs> pussy <laughs> you're goddamn right <laughs> i'm not the uh, pussy you're the pussy I was at play practice the other day and for one of our stage directions, me and this other woman are supposed to be like pretending to be going through a door. Only I thought she was supposed to be pretending to go out another door. So I was like, go over there, go over there. You're supposed to be on that side. She's like, no, we decided it's this side. And the director backed her up like, yeah, we decided it's going to be this side. And then she just (laughs) sharply whispered to me, dick. And I said, yeah, well, you are what you eat. Shit, wait. (laughs) (laughs) But it was too late. (laughs) Also, what are you drinking this evening? It is traditional guller, guller. It has an umlaut on it. An umlaut. Yeah. Steinhauer Weisse. Weisse. Show me the title again. Guler. Guler. Steinhauer Weisse. What are you drinking? Well, since this is a Chinese film, I thought I'd drink something traditionally Chinese. Mountain Dew. (laughs) I failed history. (laughs) But, um... So, I don't know how cold it is there, but it's colder than a witch's tit here. It's like um, negative four degrees, and that's without the wind chill, which is much, much colder than that. So, the second work got out today, I immediately went to the Chinese restaurant, picked up some one of my favorite dishes, Four Seasons, some other vittles from the place, because they also sell snack foods, um, some mango soft drink of theirs. And then I just camped out and watched this movie, and here I am. And I don't plan on leaving my house. Well, I only plan on leaving my house once this weekend, and that's for play practice on Sunday. And even then, it's going to be shit because it's a fucking cold one this weekend. You rebel, you. How cold is it there? I don't know. How cold is it? It was single digits today. Yeah. Yeah, and I I had to go outside a couple times, twice going to work, twice for lunch, and then a cut, and then twice coming home, and all the all of those times just made me hate my life more than usual. More than usual, if that's possible. 
Not as bad as being in a Chinese factory. Warehouse. Warehouse, whatever. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. I guess I'd rather be in the cold than in the goddamn Shanghai warehouse on 1937, surrounded by the Japanese army. You know, honestly, I was kind of expecting more battle scenes. Like, don't get me wrong, there is some great battle scenes in this, and I'll get to my favorite scene here in a moment. But, like, I was expecting more, like, everybody line up at the windows kind of deal. Um, but I understand that they have a like a bigger overarching story they're trying to tell. One of my favorite scenes, though, it was both probably the hardest I laughed and also the most emotional I got during this film, which is I think it's like the second day of battle, and the Japanese come up in their little roman centurion shield wall thing and they get up to one of the walls of the warehouse and the japanese sappers uh start readying an explosive charge to like breach the wall and one guy's like i'm going to take care of this and he just like straps a bunch of grenades to his chest and he jumps from like the second or third floor of this building on top of them and like the reason I say I laughed is because it's very much kind of like that 300 like bomb rolling into a pile of bombs thing. But instead it's this guy lands and like a Japanese soldier like looks at him. They make eye ca- contact or it's kind of like the the moment from Pearl Harbor where the one sailor is in the Arizona. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, Pearl Harbor. Oh, Almost the exact same vibes from that scene. And I I was like, this was where the movie almost lost me. But then the scene continues on and like a dozen more guys like inspired by this first dude, they all do the same thing. Like they strap grenades to their chests and then they start jumping out and then it pans over to the concession side as these civilians are watching these guys just fling themselves out of a building like suicide bombing the Japanese and I thought it was very impressive that this film went from making me laugh and like thinking this is a stupid fucking movie to being like holy shit this is a hardcore scene so like right. that mo- like they they salvaged that scene just beautifully that they did what was your favorite scene? <clears throat> the Japanese are in the warehouse. The Japanese are in the warehouse. That guy fucking running along the street and the shoreline hitting that gong to try to wake him up. The actors playing their music. And it cuts to them, the Japanese sneaking in with knives and no shirts. Just charging at people with guns and those guys scurrying up the ladders. How did they sneak in? Scene. How did the, the ninja squad sneak in? Is my question. Well, you see, the guy that was supposed to be guarding that decided to defect with two of his friends, one of whom drowned in their attempt to stay silent. And then the, the, the nerd. Yeah, Abacus. <laughs> 
Also, we can't just name the math nerd abacus guys. <laughs> yes, we can. Like, do you realize if this was an American military movie, his name would be like Sipowitz or Klebowitz or something, and he'd be the radio operator? <laughs> hey, four eyes, get over here. Move it, goggles. <laughs> I don't know. Abacus. That's corporal goggles to you. I don't know, Abacus, I, <laughs> that's kind of a mm, better nickname than Four Eyes or Goggles. And he was an accountant, that's literally what he did. <clears throat> and he, he, he ran away, didn't he? Oh yeah. He was probably the most annoying of the deserters. Just no real redeeming factor which what did you think about a lot of our our primary characters being deserters like that is not what, at all what i was expecting from a chinese movie i gotta be honest no it wasn't and the other part of it too is like if you like i said i was expecting this to be a propaganda film but if you are trying to make like a china fuck yeah film where you're like look at this at this courageous last stand that we did why are you choosing a bunch of guys who aren't like your like china fuck yeah guys you know like why are they the guys who are trying to run away and granted we have a couple of them that like they have their redemption arc and they choose to stay eventually but it doesn't change the fact that it's like there are there are times in this where i'm like I can't say I'm really rooting for the Chinese because there are multiple, multiple scenes where they literally shoot their own people because they're like, you're a coward. And it's like, he was just raising an opinion, guys. Like, it, it just, it, it blew my mind. It, it's kind of the same feeling I get watching World War II films with like Russian soldiers, kind of like, if you've ever seen enemy at the gates, there's a scene where they do this like massive charge and then it, it fails and the survivors of this charge kind of, they retreat back to their lines and then the Russians start shooting their own guys. Cause they're like, there's no retreat, no cowardice. And I'm like, this does not make me want to root for you. And I mean, even if it's, it's historically accurate, I just, I don't know. It is, is not is not making me be like, yeah, go team China on your last stand. And I guess it is easy for us to judge at that oh, time because we weren't there. But I can't guarantee you I'd be the patriotic hero in that situation. Absolutely. But there's something to be said that forced patriotism is a lot less uh, inspiring that um scene where they're all struggling to keep the flag aloft and they a bunch a couple go out there get mowed down a couple more go out there lift it up for a bit then get mowed down and then finally one guy hoists it up and then the japanese i i i guess they just get tired and leave now that scene was very reminiscent of the battle that inspired the star spangled banner where no matter what, we had to keep the flag aloft 
because lowering it would be a sign of surrender and the british were like fucking hawking cannonballs at us and we'd keep and it kept getting knocked over and we'd send more and more people out to raise it and then they'd get killed and we'd send more people and ad nauseum and by the dawn's early light our flag was still there my thing about the 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 chinese flag in the story is like they didn't have it for like the first two days of the battle and then they received one and then they're like okay we got put it up and i was like it's really weird for a military unit not to have their nation's flag so i i actually had to like google it and apparently like at this time chinese military units only like regiment size and up had flags or maybe it was like brigades or divisions like a really large size unit would have a flag but not this size so it was like a big deal that a unit this small received a flag so but i also was kind of of the opinion i'm like this seems like a poor use of your resources to uh like couldn't we have put the flag up overnight and like made a really sturdy base and not lost any people doing it shoulda coulda woulda oh well man and yeah poor abacus got his finger like some of his fingers shot off didn't that one guy get shot through like from one cheek out the other yeah pussy number one it it did and then he kept like asking people for smokes i'm like how are you smoking with two holes in your face well no three six i don't know two extra holes than normal in your face hey let's see one two three four five six seven yeah seven total holes i believe unless i'm missing one Anywho, (laughs) this is a whole counting podcast. (laughs) Kinky. What'd you think of uh, our magnificent white horse character? It was odd to be sure. Was that a real thing in this battle? Again, it's not anything I could really validate. But I did Google it because I was like, okay, they're very obviously throwing this in as a as a symbolic choice of some sort, but I'm not getting it. And I still don't get it 100%, but from what I've ascertained is that the white horse is related to... Uh, like the delivery, like the delivering of Buddha's teachings, like apparently there's somewhere in that religion where a white horse carried like all the teachings of Buddha or something of that nature. And if we have any Buddhist listeners and I completely fucked that up, please uh, shoot me a DM and then I can correct that at a future date. But suffice it to say that the white horse has something to do with Buddhism And I think that's one of the follies of watching a foreign film is that there are cultural things that 
we as a Western viewer are not going to get or understand unless we like go out of our way to try and figure it out. Yeah, cultural divides. You know what character I was uh, severely disappointed we didn't get to see more of was uh, the Killdozer. Oh yeah, the Killdozer. <laughs> no, the thing was the tits. We get to see the fucking Japanese Killdozer for like 30 seconds and it, it doesn't have any other impact of the movie. I'm like, come on! Vroom vroom, motherfucker! Man, and speaking of tits, that guy that died a virgin never getting to feel tits that was the saddest death that conversation honestly made me uncomfortable man have you ever been with a woman that's another um question i've been pondering like we're okay with dudes getting shot through the cheek shot through the head blown up gassed blah 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 but the talk of sex makes us uncomfortable I wouldn't even say the talk of sex makes me uncomfortable. The way they were talking about sex made me uncomfortable. I mean, they they talked about sex like Chinese commoners from the 30s would, I guess. Not that I would know. It kind of sounded like two 12-year-olds talking about boobs. I totally slept with like 200 girls. You wouldn't know them. They go to a different school. (laughs) Always go to a different school, don't they? They do. They do. They do. You know, what what was your favorite moment in this? Or did I already ask you that? You did, but what the fuck did I say? Man, it's not all there tonight, this cold weather. Oh, yeah, the scene where they attack the warehouse and they like swim in through it and they scurry up the ladders and they still fight them off. Yeah, that was probably the most like cartoonish portrayal of the Japanese soldiers in this film. But what did you think of the... The moment when uh, one of our char- our Chinese characters like finds a flamethrower and just like act, like out of curiosity pulls a trigger on it and it just just goes Poof! and then somebody in the back somebody in the background is like that's not a toy don't play like, with fire <laughs> idiots like, I mean I'm yeah they're, sure. they're acting like I expect kids to act. I was like, I'm pretty sure flamethrowers are a lot more aggressive than that. And he only gave it a little bit of juice. (laughs) Still. What did you think of, like, how graphic the, like, wounding and combat in this movie was? When they get wounded, man, they get wounded. Like you mentioned. Some of the wounds are pretty gnarly, too. Like you mentioned it earlier with the like the portrayal of Japanese soldiers, but like the first time I saw like a Japanese soldier uh, like suicide grenade himself, I was like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah, and that's that's almost a trope at this point with World War II movies. The Pacific had it, this had it, 
pretty sure another movie I'm forgetting had it. I think Flags of Our Fathers did. I don't know. I have to save that one for when we review it. Someday. But and that is a thing they used to do in the war. Like <clears throat> when they were injured, they just pull the pin on the grenade, hold the lever, wait till someone came to inspect them, and then just babooey. Babooey is that the technical term? Yes, it's the word. It's the automatopoeia I'm going with. Fucking deal with it. Great vocab, automatopoeia. China. You know, we made it 37 minutes before I made that joke. You know, some people say that I use big words that I don't know the meaning of to sound smart. But I think they're just being photosynthesis. That they are. That they are. <laughs> Get it? Because photosynthesis is a big word and Never mind. I don't get it. You'll get it when you're older. Mm. So, what did you think about how this movie kind of wraps up or resolves? Which is, you know, kind of going back to my whole like desertion, traitor, like we're we're all for like willy-nilly shooting people because they're like quote-unquote cowards or something but then this this whole movie is meant it is portrayed as a last stand film and it, it is a last stand film and it's very impressive all the way up but then we finally get to our final like kind of big moment and it's not like a final charge or like you know everybody is finally wiped out in the building but they're told, okay, your mission is to survive. Make it across the bridge. See you on the other side. And I'm like, what? What? How many motherfuckers did you shoot because they were trying to do this like two days ago? <laughs> like, See, it's okay when the... they do it. They had orders. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what the fuck, guys? I don't know. It's just... And granted, I know it's like the real part of this story and they did a very good exposition of being like, they must see your courage of surviving in order to learn to continue to fight. And it's like, guys, stop, stop trying to sell me on this. It is fine. Like there, there's a better way that they could have done it, which is like, okay, Shanghai Shek wants you to hold this position until other troops are like able to get to the places they need to get like you're buying them time okay we can do that fine but instead they're like they start the film off with you're the only thing standing between the japanese army and nanking okay let's run across the bridge we're done here like it just it kind of makes the whole last stand thing seem a little pointless or contradictory if you will what like what did you think of the the bridge escape i was really kind of hoping to see the aftermath of it but it just sort of ends with people reaching through the grating with their hands and fists and thumbs extended 
and but I'm glad. Yeah, mm. I'm glad it showed the factory as it is. Or God damn it, you got me doing this asshole. But it showed the warehouse as it is today, and they kept it up. Yeah, I I thought it was interesting that the warehouse still stands today as it was then, and they they turned it into a monument. The other part of that bridge scene that gets me a little bit is like, there, there's a couple of things that get me about that, but like technically speaking, so there's a point where they're like, okay, the English are going to turn their searchlight off so we can sneak across the bridge. But then the Japanese turn their like searchlights on. But even if the Japanese hadn't turned their searchlights on, the whole movie we've seen and expressed the fact that the concession zone is the city of lights like Paris. Like, what does it matter if the searchlight is on or not? Like, should there be enough ambient light to notice this shit? And related to our point from earlier about the concessions, but the foreign concessions lent to its nickname, the Shanghai's nickname at this time, which was the Whore of the Orient. Because everyone had a piece of her. You nasty. Mm -hmm. Which, and I know for a fact you've played L.A. Noir. That was going to be, that was proposed as the idea for a sequel, 1930s Shanghai. But we never got it because the original company shut down. Didn't Rockstar own it? They contracted a some other Australian developer to help make the game, mm. mostly the facial animations and shit, because that was a big selling point. And the game was a success, 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 yes, but wasn't enough. Mm. Would have been a dope fucking setting, though. Yeah, I imagine it would have. Oh. I don't know about you, but do you think it's about time to rate this thing? Yes, I think it is. Actually, before we rate, another scene I'd like to bring up. That scene where the cable stretchers were killed partway over the bridge, and they keep sending people after person after person to go pick it up and get it to the other side of the bridge. Most of them don't even get to the end of the cable. And then that um, casino owner's brother is like, Fuck yeah, I'm fast. And he like, fucking cuts himself, makes his mark on the sign-up paper, uh, fucking sticks the knife in the wood in front of them, and then runs. Yeah, he does like a, he does like an anime hero pose before running across <laughs> the bridge. Just cut in line, and that dude he cuts in front of had the look of, "Hey asshole, it was my turn." It was a little out of place, but. Maybe that's another part of the like dubbing thing that makes it not translate as well. <laughs> Cultural differences. Oh well. So, what do you think the uh, the rating? Well, I know what you want. You probably want to rate this, which is piss soaked rags, uh, because impromptu gas mask but we already had a p rating last week so 
There's a theme to our ratings, dear <laughs> listeners. We're trying, trying to tell to... you something deep-seated. That's me and Jack's kink. But what do you think the, the rating ought to be? Cigarettes. Packs of cigarettes. Yeah. All right. Let's hear what you got. Uh, three packs and, but one, I know, um, four packs. No, three packs and then three quarters of a pack, another pack left. And, but the casing's all crumpled. Okay. All right. Let's hear yours then. I, I give this three solid packs. It's, it is a good movie. I, I did enjoy watching it. There are things in it that were lost on me that I had to look up. Um, I don't really see myself watching this movie again. Not that I, it's not a bad movie, but I just, it's not going to be in my my cue for future watching. What does Rotten Tomatoes have? All right. Rotten Tommy Toes. Shit. There we go. Um, the Tomometer says 88% and the audience score says 79%. Gotta go with the audience on this one. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I think this was like the second highest grossing film of 2020, which I know isn't saying a lot because of COVID and everything, but I mean, it was a really popular film. Hmm. I didn't hear about it until recently. I think it's been on our list since the the beginning but it's more towards like the bottom of the list like 120 130 area gotcha but speaking of our list it's time to announce our next film that we'll be reviewing and uh jack would you like to take a guess at what we're doing hmm pearl harbor 2 pearl harder <laughs> Cause Pearl Harbor suck and I miss you. Uh, no, we're going to go with a film that's, it stretches the war film parameters just a little bit. Uh, Those are usually the best kind. Yep. But it's going to be our second comic book movie. It is Jonah Hex. Hell yeah, that movie's on my list. Hex, yeah! Hex, yeah! Miranda's going to be so pissed off at me. Oh, I forgot to ask. Did she walk in on the part of the mass bathing? No, no, she didn't. She <laughs> she started this film with me and she bailed out at the uh, mass grenade suicide scene. So we, we, were, we were good. <laughs> you know, I was about to say we could be running an entire porn podcast and she would never know. <laughs> Uh, that is fair. She do, she doesn't listen to our episodes, so. 
Oh, what? Is she not a fan? What, are we not good enough for her? No, she just, she, like, she can't listen to, like, say if I answer the phone, she will literally leave the room because something about, like, me talking, like, officially or something just, like, bothers her. So, as much as she wants to be supportive of us, she can't stand the sound of my voice. <laughs> Ouch. Well, to be fair, I don't really listen to our episodes either. Well, I mean, you were here, so. That and I hate the sound of my own voice. Imagine how I feel, because I'm the one that has to edit these things. You have a great voice, though. Yeah, Mine but like. Monotone fuckboy. I, I end up usually listening to each episode about three times just in the course of doing editing and shit. Well, your sacrifice is greatly appreciated. You're welcome. Thank you for your service. Salute. Well, I think that about does it for this episode. It does. Like I said, Miranda's going to be pissed off about Jonah Hex because Jonah Hex, this might come as a surprise, but Jonah Hex is my favorite DC comic book hero or character. He's not really a hero. Um, I like so much so that I have all-star Western number 10, which is the first appearance of Jonah Hex, which cost me a pretty penny to, to acquire. Um, but the last time we watched this film and I made her sit and watch it with me, um, like every time he shoots somebody, I just would yell out Hex. Yeah. <laughs> oh man and that part of the movie where he says jonah hex you and then he jonah hexed all over those guys right i say that as a person who's never seen the movie it's not great (laughs) that's what makes me all the more excited i say that as somebody who loves the character jonah hex it's it's not that good of a movie but but i can't wait nonetheless I, i i still enjoy it you know, just like, you know, we watch Star Trek six. There are people who enjoy Star Trek six. Doesn't mean it's a good film. Well, fuck you. That was a good movie. I liked it. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else? I don't. Okay. Well, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please leave a review. The stars do matter. If you want additional content from us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Armchair Commanders Podcast. We also have a Discord under the same name where we do occasional live viewings. Uh, If you want to find our episodes on YouTube or any other additional history content from us, we have a YouTube page called History Apprentice. Uh, If there's nothing else... We've enjoyed having you all with us, and we will catch you later. Bye.